0: Mark chapter seven, starting in verse number fourteen, and when he called, when he had called the, all of the people unto him, and he said unto them, "Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they." that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, that it Cannot defile him because it entereth not into his heart but into the belly and goeth out in into the drought purging all meats and he said that which cometh out of the man that defileth the man from within for from within out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts adulteries fornications murders thefts thefts covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Let's pray. Lord, our gracious heavenly Father, make us men and women who seek your face, stir in our hearts a desire to hunger and thirst for righteousness, may we learn to seek your face, to have you order our steps in your word. Lord, we understand here in the text that you is delivering your truth, a parable unto the multitude, but we also read of your disciples falling under the spell of Traditions over the passion in the words of the Pharisees and the scribes. Lord, help us to be lovers of truth. Help us to seek and understand your word. When we open your word, may we truly see that this is not just some frivolous speaking, but it is a message of love to your children. May we give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. American author uh, Kitty Dukakis, who was the former wife to a Massachusetts governor, once gave an interview on 2020. When she gave the interview on 2020, she had made public that she had struggled with addiction for many years. In this profession that she gave, living this life as a, governor's wife, she said that the things that troubled her the most is that she had become so addicted to alcohol that when there was no alcohol in the home, she found herself drinking nail polish remover. She found herself drinking rubbing alcohol. But the thing that I find interesting about the interview was that she never faced the truth. As long as she had someone else to blame, this was her personal confession. She said as long as she was able to blame the campaign, she felt okay. As long as she was able to blame the pressure that was put upon her from her peers, she was okay. As long as she had someone else to blame, she never had to deal with the truth. But when she came to the realization that the problem was within her, then it greatly troubled her, but then she was finally able to do something about the problem. This is no different than our society today. Our society seeks to blame our actions upon those around us. How many times have we seen kids who are in the court system and blame the fact that they don't have a mother or they don't have a father on the reason that they are in the court system. How many times have we heard and uh, other Christians profess that they slipped in the sin because of their environment? Maybe it was their work environment. Here in Mark chapter 7, the Lord takes the disciples, not only the disciples, but the religious leaders, not only the religious leaders, but the multitude, and turns them back to the heart of the matter. He turns them back to why there's trouble in the world. He turns them back the point of why there's issues. The issues is not from what has come without, it is from what has started within, much like Kitty's confession on 2020. The problem was within her. When you start off in Mark chapter 7, you see that the Lord has come to the end of his Galilean ministry. Really, Mark chapter 7, they say, is the longest conflict that Jesus has in the entire book of Mark. This conflict sets out in the, as the Lord enters into Galilee. The, chapter 7 starts off that the Pharisees and certain scribes had come into Galilee. They'd come down from Jerusalem and had encountered the Lord and his disciples. Verse number 2 of chapter 7 says that these Pharisees and certain scribes had found fault with the Lord and his disciples because his disciples had, according to their traditions, defiled themselves by eating bread without washing their hands. The Pharisees said they had defiled themselves, they had corrupted themselves, they had made themselves dirty within over simply not washing your hands. The Lord tells them in the sixth verse of chapter 7 that that the Lord, he says that Isaiah had prophesied of this generation. He prophesied of this group of people, these people who seek to honor the Lord with their lips, but their hearts are far from God, He tells them in verse number 9, You know full well you reject my commandments for the sake of keeping your own traditions. And in return for doing all this, verse 13 says, They had made the word of God none effect through their traditions which ye have delivered and many such like things do ye. So in verse number 14, where we began to read this evening, he turns, the Lord is turning from addressing the religious leaders. He has already confronted them. He's already told them, you have been prophesied of. But now he turns from the religious leaders and turns to the multitude. The religious leaders clearly have it wrong, but he wants to clarify it again to the religious leaders. He says, and when he had called all the people unto him, he provides to them here through verses 14 through 23. He's preparing to Provide, as he provided for us, a visual picture of the heart of all of humanity. Notice that the Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He does not say the heart of lost man. It is the heart of man as a whole. So here in 14 through 23, the Lord is doing open heart surgery in a sense to put before the multitude, the true state of the human hearts. The heart is not corrupt from what we take in. It's not corrupt from the things in which we see It is not corrupted from which the things in which we hear, but it is those things that come out of our mouths, the fruits brought forth from a seed that is planted deep within our hearts. I hope that we all see this today. Vital statistics they just put out on the internet the other day. It has me all stirred up. Vital statistics about Fatherless homes, vital statistics about motherless homes, vital statistics about adopted kids, uh, about kids whose parents are on drugs, kids who are born addicted to drugs. And I hear them, but the reason Mark, the Lord takes us to something here in 7 and 14 through 23 is that the reason, the real heart of the problem is the heart of man. It is corrupted to its core. It is permeated with sin. Matter of fact, Isaiah pondered upon this thing. What did he say? He said, when he looked upon humanity, that they were altogether wicked. He said, from the soles of their foot to the crown of their head, we are wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. There is no soundness in them. Mankind was altogether corrupt. I laugh when I hear people say, I am this way because of my parents, the way they raised me. John chapter 3 and 19 says that you are this way, not because of your parents. You're this way because men love darkness rather than light, that they love their evil deeds. The reason that people live in sin today is because they love sin. The reason that they live in sin is because their desire is to be in sin. You can't blame nobody for that. It is your own desire. So the Lord looks unto the multitude and says here in verse 14, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand meaning he he wants everyone to hear exactly what he is about to say. He wants everyone to understand the greatest problem we have today is not the environment around us, saved or lost. The greatest problem that we have today is not the environment. It's not our neighbor. It's not our job. It's not our upbringing. It is our own human heart. We have this (coughs) outward body that we have here, but that is not what's trying to be emphasized by our Lord, that our physical body, the heart is the spiritual standing. It is who we are in the heart is who we really are. They say that the thinking that we have is blossomed from the heart. So the Lord is putting forth that the heart is permeated with radical corruption. This is the condition of all man born in this world, lost. There is terrible things that could be said about us. I guess we could argue we would all think about what is the worst thing that could ever be said about us or we could ever be accused of. I put before you what the Lord is trying to tell them. The worst thing that could ever be said of you is one simple word, that you're lost, lost, apart from God, in darkness, in sin, lost, in the chambers of man's heart, rest the great troubles of all humanity. So the Lord sets out to do something. He's already explained this in verses 1 through 13 to the Pharisees, but he wants to add clarity. Now, you really have to see the scene. Notice the priority of the instruction that's given here. Notice how the Lord takes priority. He he takes the class, so to say. Verse 14, And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you and understand when I first started to become a boiler maker at Smithfield Foods, one day we was down there working on the boiler that fed the Bryant Bryant boilers and here I am doing my own startup I have the guy right next to me who's supposed to be training me to make me a skilled boiler operator one day as I'm starting up the boiler, and there the guy who's chaining me is standing right next to me. The boss walks down the stairs and walks up to me and says, what are you doing? Well, my human heart puffed up my chest and said, I'm starting up the boiler room. I'm thinking, it's raise time. Look at me. He quickly cut me down to size when he said, who sold you how to do this? And I said, he did. He said, don't listen to him. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you how to do this correctly. That was an extremely awkward moment. When I had this man telling me to do it this way, and all of a sudden this man usurps authority. That is exactly what the Lord does here. Imagine the scene of how it's being set. On this side you have the Pharisees and the scribes. On this side, you have the Lord and his disciples. And in the middle, you have the multitude. The Pharisees and the scribes are trying to publish their traditions. This is the way you become defiled. This is the thing that they had taught through all these years. You can defile yourself, your spirit, your heart, your spiritual condition can all be corrupted from not washing your hands. What foolishness. And here the Lord takes priority of the instruction. He says, and when he called all the people unto him, he said unto them, hearken unto me. Notice this, two teachers in the classroom. And the Lord said, ignore them and hear me out. Hear what I'm trying to tell you. Hearken unto me, every one of you and under stand. Look at the boldness of the Lord's maneuver here. While the scribes and Pharisees are offering up the belief system of the traditions of the day, the Lord had no problem usurping authority and say, this is the problem, this is the condition, and this is the need for the world. May we take a lesson from the Lord. When we see this, no wonder Paul, in Ephesians chapter 6, prays for boldness to be given unto him. How many times have we heard people say, well, I believe this is the answer for the world. Well, I think this. Well, I believe that. May we all have boldness within our hearts to maneuver the audience toward us and say, hear me when I say this. This is what the Lord has given unto us. The Lord says, hear me. He goes on to say in verse number 16, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. The Lord's challenge was to hear his words. The Lord's challenge to the audience was to listen attentively, to hearken unto the message. And his message has not changed today. When we hear the Lord's words being spoken, it should be the desires of our hearts to hearken unto it, to listen attentively. But why do we listen attentively? The Lord didn't just say, listen to me, listen to me as I speak, so that as I speak, I can look upon you guys and gaze into your eyes. No, he says, look unto me, hearken unto me, every one of you, and what? And understand." This is still the message of today. As we listen to the Word of God being read, as we read the Word of God in our own time at home, or as we study the Word of God, we're listening. Why are we listening? To get a greater understanding. The world, you see, they're trying to, even as we gather in here, oftentimes if we admit our own struggles in our own lives that how many times we come into the house of God and we're thinking about things that we did before here, we're thinking about things we have to do after here, all of these things that are going on. But what the Lord draws all the multitudes to is that there is no greater priority you have today than to hear what I'm trying to tell you. When we come to the house of God, we have to prioritize God's word. When we're in our home, we have to prioritize God's word. It means something to us it's so important in our lives that it has the right to shut out the other voices it's a, his where to be lifted so he he makes this the priority notice also the principle in the instruction a principle is a fundamental truth or a or a position that serves as a foundation for our core beliefs So the Lord delivers to them in verse 15 a principle that is a a foundation. It is a principle of core belief. He said, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. Dirty hands while eating does not in return defile you. When we go home and eat tonight like Daniel does with dirty hands, it's not going to defile him. It, amen. Don't, don't say "Man, you messed me up now. <laughs> eating with dirty hands does not ruin your spirituality. But also, notice the other side of that if you eat with clean hands, it doesn't make you spiritual. It's, it's, it's neither or. But a clean heart is needed to be clean spiritually. When his disciples heard this, it caused them to ask questions. When you see in verse number 17, and when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. I want to to give you three quick points about verse number 17. First of all, his disciples heard what the Lord said and understood that there was some deeper application for them in their lives. We got to understand when we get in God's word every day, This is not something we do just to check off. The disciples understood that the Lord had given a parable and that there was a deeper application for them. When we hear God's word, when we read God's word, it should be on our hearts and minds. We should be petitioning God to give us a deeper understanding and a deeper application of his word. So our text says, they asked him concerning the parable. First, I want you to see the two sources here. First, they asked him, the source of the inquiry. They heard the Lord and questioned him about the parable. When you know the Lord, You're not satisfied like the multitude was hearing him speak. You see, the multitude, after he gave the parable, none of them ambushed him and said, Lord, give us this deeper understanding. One of the things that makes us different from the world is that we just don't want to read his word. We want a deeper understanding of it. We want him to provide us a deeper understanding. You're not like the rest of the multitude, hearing his words and going home satisfied that you heard Jesus. The disciples sought to fully understand God's word. But notice this, the source of the understanding, they asked Jesus concerning the parable. None of this has changed for us today. James one five says, "If any of you lack under lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him." It doesn't matter whether you're in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. Psalms one nineteen eighteen says, "Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold the wondrous things of thy law." The disciples wanted a deeper understanding. You notice they didn't turn to the Pharisees or the scribes. They didn't turn to the multitude. They turned unto the Lord and said, Provide to us, Lord, please, uh, a deeper understanding. Years have uh, flown by, but yet the source of understanding still remains. Let me tell you even more here what they've done. When they entered, when he was entered into the house from the people, notice that, from the people. This was a strategic site. This was a uh, a strategy. The disciples waited till they were alone with the Lord to seek deeper understanding. They didn't ask the Lord for a deeper understanding in front of the multitude. They didn't ask him. It was when they were alone with him in the house. They all did not stay and and crowd together for understanding. When they heard the Lord, when they were all together, but it was when they were alone they petitioned the Lord. What is our application here? Yes, they turned to the Lord as the source for a deeper understanding, but the sight of this deeper understanding was petitioned from Him when they were alone with Him. We can never neglect our personal Bible studies. You may come here and, and hear the word of God and maybe hear me explain a text, but and it may encourage you, and it may refresh you, it may bore you. But listen, in your own time, the same Lord whom I seek when I'm preaching the word to you guys on a Wednesday night is the same Lord who will give you understanding as you read his word in your personal time. Seek him. Seek him when you're alone. Get alone with the Lord. Now, notice something that happens here. Not only is the source, the Lord that gives them a greater understanding, not only were they strategic in the sight in which they asked him, it was in the confines of the home. But notice what happens here, which is kind of unique. When they ask the Lord, he scolds them. This is a little different. And he said unto them, are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? The Lord asked them, are you without understanding also? My disciples, those who professed that I am the Messiah, that I am the Son of God? Are you so without understanding? Are you just like the Pharisees and scribes? You've been following me all of this time, and yet you're standing here accepting this confession that that which can go into a man can defile him? Are you also as ignorant as these people? Are you still so influenced by your old religion that you do not understand what defiles a person? In the next part of verse 18, it says, Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man cannot defile him? Yet, yet it leads us to an understanding, does it not? Are the disciples not saved? No, of course they're saved. Have they placed their faith in Jesus? Yes, they've placed their faith in Jesus. Yet it, it lets us see something that at times in our society today, no matter how ludicrous a doctrine is, no matter how crazy error is, no how foolish, no matter how foolish a teaching of someone else may be, it is possible to be bewitched, fooled, and pulled away from the truths of God's word by someone else's teaching. When they listened to the Pharisees and the scribes, they followed the way that that which went in could defile you. The Lord said, are you, are you this ignorant? Now, notice also, though, though the Lord scolded them, verses 20 through 23, the Lord still Answered them. And he said, That which cometh out of the man that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy. Pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. The source of defilement the Lord again uh, emphasizes to the disciples. The defilement does not come. It's not what comes into the man, but it is what comes out of the man. But even further, he offers a further explanation. Well, okay, so it's what comes out of the man. But where is the source of it that comes out of the man? Where does these things that defile us, where does one become covetous? Where does one become wicked? Where does one have an evil eye? Where does one become lifted up with pride? Where does one blaspheme? He said, In verse 21, from within, out of the heart of men. This is where all of fallen humanity finds all of its troubles, from within. This is where even saved believers find their troubles, from within. The Lord has delivered us. He's preserved us. He's saved us, sanctified us, preserved us until the end of time. Yet today, we are battling this wicked flesh. We're battling the desires of this flesh. Yet the Lord points to the disciples. It's not that washing of your hands that's going to stop you from behaving like this. What Washing your hands, is it going to stop you from being all of those things? Look around you. Look at these Pharisees and these scribes and these Sadducees who seek to keep the law and are wicked. Look around you. Has it stopped them from behaving in this way? No. So the Lord again draws them to this, that there must be a washing of what's within you. He's drawing them back to himself. He's drawing them back to the bloodshed that will soon be shed on Calvary. That fallen man's great need is to have his heart washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Clean hands ain't going to fix none of this. Now, even religious leaders today, it baffles me how they seek to Tell all of humanity that listen, it's okay. It's okay if you want to blaspheme. I mean, there's a way around, you know, hey, there's many ways. Not all of us are on the same path. It's going to be okay. You know, evil thoughts, it's okay. You know, uh, fornications. Well, I mean, listen, it's not what he really likes to see, but you're going to be okay. I mean, really, you just have to remember the love, the Lord loves you regardless of your sins. It is Troubling. We know what the Bible says, woe unto man who, what, calls evil good and good evil. These Lord here, he's bringing down judgment upon these scribes and Pharisees. He further explains it to the disciples. He comes to bring them to the full understanding that all humanity has a great trouble. And it's within the heart. Even the world today, they try to tell us, uh, in our world today, they oftentimes try to tell us um, in the Catholic faith, well, if you just do this, do this and all will be okay, do that and it will all be okay even over in Germany where they climb the steps on their knees or over in India, they will climb all these uh, uh, steps on their knees all the way up to the top, every step of the way, trying to repent and seek and find forgiveness, trying to change their ways. And yet they cannot change their ways. Because there is a seed of sin that was planted in them at birth. And until God changes it, they will continue to harvest the fruit from that tree. We can't change it. We can't turn it around. The doctrine or traditions of the religious crowd today seek to drown out the truth of the Lord's word. May we seek to have his boldness as we encounter the world. May we seek to have his boldness as other peoples promote a doctrine that we know is antichrist. Even more, even more, may we also, as we read God's word, seek to get understanding. Listen, this cannot be the main flow of your spiritual life. You will die. You will be a miserable Christian. But the excitement that comes from the closing door of the prayer closet, the excitement that comes to when the Lord unveils things to you. I don't know if you're like this, but I sometimes, when I see things, when the Lord opens my eyes to them as I'm in here studying, I'll get so excited I'll jump up and start pacing, just trying to flesh this out. It's great. This is not something that is far away. The Lord lives within us. He lives within us. We can gain understanding if we'll just follow the practice of the disciples and say, Lord, what does this mean? Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for the opportunity to be in your house to study your word. Lord, I pray that we'll all have this desire, Lord, to not just take these words that have been preserved throughout history. Just take these sentences for granted. I don't want to have a knowledge so much of what your word says, but I want to have an understanding of what you're trying to convey to me through your word. Teach me from your word. Teach us all from your word. Strengthen us, Lord. We give thanks to you for all those who are here, Lord. Be with those who were unable to be here this evening. We know some were providentially hindered, injured. Lord, be with them. Strengthen them, Lord. Be with their physicians that are treating them. Most of all, we beckon you as the great physician to do the work, again, that only you can do and heal them. But wherever may happen, Lord, may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen.